Hello and welcome to Distilled, the Bourbon Podcast. I'm here with my my partner and co-host, Brian. Our buddy Brent is unavailable today, so we're going to try to solo this uh, ourselves. We're in, Brent usually is the producer for these podcasts, but uh, today we're going to have the lovely Donna Stennett serving as producer. And we are in an honest-to-goodness man cave. This is a Daryl Littrell's property. A couple of years ago, he had this man cave constructed. Daryl, just how big is this man cave? 6,000 square feet, Chuck. Now, that is a man cave. It is filled with vintage automobiles. Many of them are Daryl's, but some of them are some of your brothers and your friends. What are some of the highlights of the vintage classic automobiles you've got here? Well, you know, I have some of my favorites. I have a 67 Camaro 502 hooker headers and Flowmasters, and it just, it's an awesome car. I have a 71 Chevelle that I, I really like. And then to get my wife out in on a nice sunny day, we take the Thunderbird, 55 Thunder, Thunderbird, red and uh, top off. Beautiful car for a beautiful sunny day. So Daryl has some experience uh, as uh, as a host, as a, as a hospitality uh, expert, uh, last year you ho- or no, this year you hosted uh, the, a reunion of your high school class. High school, nineteen seventy six, the last graduating ca- class of Henderson City High. How many people did you have in here? Well, we were supposed to have around ninety. It ended up being about fifty. Okay. Yeah. So, how did you plan for that? And did you drive your wife Lorna at all crazy that week? Chuck, we've been married for forty two years, and. And, and getting a, an event together, whether I bring two people home or whether I bring 30 people home, uh, it's it's always disorganized until it's organized by my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you also, you have a home in Florida and you do a barbecue for your entire neighborhood every year? We do. Uh, springtime of the year, of course, we haven't because of COVID this year and or last year and the year before, but we are planning on, if everything goes well, to cook some barbecue. I tell you, Daryl is honest to goodness an expert barbecuer. Both uh, Donna and I, uh, at one time, were uh, certified Memphis and made judges. Uh, and Daryl's barbecue can stand up to anybody's. He has a fantastic uh, custom-made cooker, and he cooks it low and slow, and it is fantastic. You also ruined me on shrimp. We were down at, uh, at your farm one time, and you cooked some shrimp on over charcoal. And uh, you know, just shrimp cocktail just doesn't do it for me anymore. Uh, that shrimp is fantastic. Chuck, I, you know, I started cooking barbecue years ago, back when they didn't have all the the different seasonings. You know, I started out when we had butter and salt and pepper, basically nothing. You know, now you go to the stores and you see all these different types of stuff. So. A lot of barbecuing. Then we went to Florida and, and got with some guys who knew how to cook fish and shrimp and other uh, uh, seafood items. So uh, I've developed a, a taste for that, and I love throwing that on the grill. Do you ever incorporate bourbon into your cooking? You know, from time to time, we do. I have neighbors that uh, are across the street that are very fond of uh, bourbon. And as you well know, they all know I fly the Kentucky flag. So they head to my house when they need a good drink of bourbon. So what's your favorite bourbon these days? You know, Chuck, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fond of the rye now, you know, it's, it's kind of, I like that spiciness. I like that, but you know, it just depends on the mood I'm in and who I'm around. Uh, you know, you're not the only one. There's so many companies. Woodford Reserve now has a rye. So many people have rye. Wilderness Trail has rye. Uh, I Probably three quarters, maybe seven-eighths of, of the distilleries in Kentucky have a rye product. 
Yeah, I would say just about everybody that has a bourbon now has a rye. Is there a particular brand that is your favorite? You said rye, but is there a particular you know, rye? That- I'm, my go-to is Angel's Envy. I like that. I like Peerless. Uh, you know, there's there, those are my top two if I'm drinking, you know, the, the rye. There's absolutely nothing wrong with either one of those ryes, but another one I think that you're going to enjoy. Uh, we did some uh, some uh, shopping on Daryl's behalf. Uh, there's going to be we were talking about uh, hosting parties and hosting people. He's getting ready to throw a Christmas party here in about 40 minutes. Uh, heaven knows how many people are going to be here. I asked him how many, and he said every person he ran into, whether it's at Walmart or the gas station, he invited <laughs> over here. So uh, it's it's going to be a real spread. So, um, but uh, one uh, bottle that we picked up today that I think you're going to enjoy is the Rabbit Hole Derringer Rye. Uh, it's we tried it at uh, at Rabbit Hole a few weeks ago, and I, I just fell in love with it. I think it's an amazing rye, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, Brian had it in stock. Yeah, I think actually I think we have another Maker's Mark. So it's not a rye, but what we did, as you know, Maker's is a weed of bourbon. Okay. But we have a store pick that my employees went to Maker's Mark, and they asked a master distiller. We want a rye taste. So the master distiller mixed something up and uh, put some staves in a barrel and then gave us a rye similar finished uh, whiskey. Awesome. Well, you know, I I asked uh, these two gentlemen to get me a selection together because, you know, as we always do, we support Henderson. And uh, so we've got a nice selection of lots of different stuff to taste tonight. Yeah, I think we have over 50 bottles Probably close to 60 bottles. Brian, I was very surprised, very surprised when the order came. And, that, you know, we had been texting over the last couple of months uh, about what we were going to get. And I said, hey, it's up to you. So he got his buddy Chuck, and I think they have come up with some very nice selections. We ran over budget just a little bit. I, I don't want to tell you what the, the dollar figure was, but we ran four cents over budget. So uh, Brian took a picture of, of the cash register and he texted it to Daryl. So when Brian and his wife Justina arrived, uh, Daryl came to make up the, uh, the the overage. He handed a nickel, but he said he wanted change back from that. <laughs> and Brian said he'd write him a check. I need to be able to support next year as well. Exactly. So I'll start that yeah. penny with the, the, the next year's purchase. So Daryl, uh, give us some hosting tips. What is it you want to make sure mm-hmm. the guests have when they come to one of your events? Well, you know, whether it's out on the river and, you know, you just the first thing that, that we do, whether it's on the river or, or in Florida or at the man cave, is make sure that people have enough to drink in front of them. Wide variety of drinks, whether it be water or what, you know, but, but tonight is going to be bourbon and beer and wine. But uh, that's to start off with. And, and uh, you know, just uh, making sure that you have enough food. I always over order. As a matter of fact, I, I again supporting Henderson again, and I had an order in, but uh, I upped it about an hour ago. So uh, probably the people that we <laughs> I talked to at Casey's or something. Anyway, I felt the need to get more food. So you host a number of parties both in Kentucky and in Florida. Is there a difference between hosting a party in Kentucky mm-hmm. as opposed to Florida? I know bourbon is probably much bigger in Kentucky. Absolutely, you know, but but uh, the the folks in Florida. You know, when they're down there, they seem to want more fish and seafood. And so we kind of get in that mode. And when we get into Florida, we, we start thinking about that kind of stuff. And, and hosting is just like hosting here. You know, it's people that want good drinks. They want friendship. They want to conversation. So it's easy both ways, if you ask me. But my wife, you know, 
I got to tell a story about one of the, you know, most of the time, the times that we have been hosting over the years, I've always, whether it bring two people or 20 people home, I think about the meat and my wife's favorite words to me always, whether I bring, you know, that many people home or not, what are you going to do about sides? And I'm always looking at her like a deer in headlights. I don't know. Thought you would do that. So anyway, she was always the sides kind of gal and I was the meat kind of guy. But anyway. So is there any cocktails that, that you tend to make at these parties? Uh, you know, uh, cocktails, uh, it's, it's usually, you know, a wide variety of things. Uh, you know, old fashioned seemed to be a popular drink with a lot of folks. Uh, so that's uh, and some of the other bourbon drinks, you know, it's just whatever they want at the time. I, you know, when the sun starts popping up down there, somebody might want wine versus bourbon. So, uh, Daryl, uh, you're a businessman. You work in, a, in an industry that's kind of a close-knit industry. Uh, you've also been out on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail with us a few years ago. We, we did the entire uh, Kentucky Bourbon Trail in three and a half or four days and, and even threw in a couple of non-trail stops. Uh, so is there anything that, uh, that most impresses you about the Kentucky Bourbon industry? Well, you know, I think uh, you know that trip. As you, it was I think it was four days and about six hundred miles, and we have T-shirts to prove it. But the, one of the most amazing things is that you know all of the the trail and how these people are working together to generate a lot of revenue for Kentucky. That is impressive, you know, on its own. And uh, so to see that happen, to see that Kentucky's on the map for what it's been known for is bourbon and uh, a few racehorses too, but but bourbon and even uh, traveling and, and in Florida where we're amongst a lot of people from a lot of different states, they always say, hey guys, you from Kentucky? And bourbon is always brought up. And inevitably, they have been on the bourbon trail, or we asked them to go on the bourbon trail. So that's, that's really nice to, to see it surface and, 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 and really do well. The thing that amazes me about the bourbon trail is that some of these distilleries that a few years ago built visitor center are rebuilding their visitor center oh, bigger right. and better. I, I can't wait to see Heaven Hill. Um, it's, it's, it's just a stock. Angel's Envy is expanding. Not only are uh, visitor centers expanding, but there's also a lot of new distilleries coming to Kentucky. Horse Soldier announced that they're building in Somerset. I think it's a <clears throat> ten to twenty million dollar investment. Uh, and there's a number of other uh, distilleries coming to Kentucky. Saint Lucia is coming to Bourbon um, Trail. Is that Danville? Yes. Yeah. So they're going to Danville. I think they're putting twenty million dollars into the state. So it's great to see all these new distilleries popping up and coming to coming to Kentucky. And Donna and I a few weeks ago went to Log Still, uh, south of uh, south of Bardstown. That's going to be amazing. the The distillery's still under construction. They have a tasting room. Uh, they they have a little B and B area. They're going to have an event center. They're going to have a restaurant. They're going to have a, a depot on a on a, a rail line. So it's it's some people describe it as the uh, the the Disney World of of, yeah. uh, of bourbon. So talking about the bourbon trail, when we were with the Literals on the bourbon trail a few years ago, we were at we were at uh, Jim Beam. What is it? The American Still House. We were in the gift shop, and Daryl pointed behind the counter there were these little pipe uh, bottles of something called Old Tub, which, as it turns out, is what Jim Beam used to be called before it was called Jim Beam in the 30s or 40s. And I thought, oh, that is really cool. I love that name. How, I wonder how much it is. And Daryl said, five ninety nine. And I went, five ninety nine. 
Well, you have to know that you don't always get a straight answer at, at, out of Daryl. Actually, at the time, uh, th- those bottles were were twenty dollars for a pint. Yeah. Now you can get this, a seven fifty for for twenty dollars. It's it's a it's a good product. I, I really like Old Tub. So we made a point to get Daryl not one but two seven fifties of, of of Old Tub for old to- old time's sake. And Brian Chuck had to go back and apologize to those old ladies with canes that he knocked out of the way to get over to me to get the to Old Tub. <laughs> So I will say, Old Tub is the only bottle that we have two of. And that was because it's... That's it? That's it. Wow. You know, I have the small bottles. I have a few of those because we had a customer in uh, Michigan that loved Old Tub. So, you know, that that's we made it quite available to him. So one of our traditions is to ask our guest uh, first, last, and best. Uh, what is the first bourbon memory that you have? What is the last bourbon, or what's the last bourbon that, that you tasted? And what is your favorite bourbon experience, your best experience? Well, um, my first experience, and and forgive me, and, and don't start adding the, the numbers up and realize how old I was when this started, but... You know, I'm from the, the hood, the housing projects on 8th Street. And I want to set you in a, a time frame. You know, it was, it was the late 60s, and uh, a lot of the folks at, in the housing projects, they like to get card games going on Friday and Saturday nights. Well, a particular card game that I was at, uh, a friend of mine uh, was was there, and the, the folks wanted us to help out, you know, get some bottles and get some, you know, what this, that. So I thought I was going to make a quarter that night, just moving things around and shuffling. So, um, didn't know what this bottle was, but I knew that this bottle was being enjoyed by a lot of folks in the room and it had a crow on it. And, uh, I decided that if they were going to have that much fun, uh, I was going to have a little fun too. So I took a little, a uh, little bit of that in a, a cup, took it to the bathroom, and I was hoping, praying I'd never see another bottle with a crow on it ever again in my life. So fast forward, um, and some of the best bourbons I've had is with uh, the Bourbon Society. And here, matter of fact, when we had our guest uh, here, uh, you know, we brought some select Maker's Mark. Uh, that that was a very nice bourbon. Um, and, uh, so I really enjoyed that, but, you know, again, I've, qu- I've acquired a taste for a little more spicy stuff. So I, I think Angel's Envy, uh, Rye is one of my favorites now. So Angel's Envy being your favorite, uh, what is the best bourbon experience you've had? Is there something that you just vividly remember? That- oh my God. You know, again, the bourbon experience with the Stennets, uh, I'm I'm thinking I have had the best people to take us around on a tour of the bourbon industry, the bourbon trail, and and you you get the the information from them that you wouldn't get if Lauren and I went on a bourbon trail and took guests with us. Uh, they wouldn't have the experience that the Stennets give you because it's the background stuff. It's, uh, you know, when I first started going to these things, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. You know, the taste testing was good, but, but just listening to them and their stories and, you know, they have a, a just, I mean, it's nice. 
So uh, a memory from the Bourbon Trail that I will never forget. We're with the Literals on the Bourbon Trail, and this was back when you didn't really have to have advanced reservations. Uh, it was the end of the day. It was There was just enough time to make the last tour at Wild Turkey. It was about 3.58 p.m., and the tour was going to start at 4.00. Daryl comes racing in in uh, in, a, in a van, uh, takes the the first way onto the property he can find, which means we're entering through the exit. Uh, he 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 parks wrong way in the diagonal parking. The side door flies open. Donna, Lorna, and I go flying out of there while Daryl gets the, the car the the van properly parked. And they were actually loading uh, the the, uh, the 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 bus uh, to go over to the distillery from the gift shop. And there was a, a young lady who was a, a wild turkey employee who was standing outside, and she saw us coming, and she just slowly started backing up, opened that door, backed inside, and kind of disappeared on us. So we always laugh about that. But what's most memorable is that after we finished the tour, uh, our tour guide, a young lady about college age, happened to mention that she was the granddaughter of Jimmy Russell, the legendary uh, master distiller at Wild Turkey. And she said... Uh, sometimes, uh, uh, granddaddy's around here and if he is, he'll sign bottles. And I said, do you think he's here? And she said, I don't know. So she called him up and she said, yep, he's downstairs in the, in the gift shop. So we went down there and went up to Miss Ru- uh, to, to J- Jimmy Russell and said, and I, I picked up a bottle of, uh, Russell's reserve rye and I took it over to him and said, Mr. Russell, would you mind to sign this? And it looked like I just made his day. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a gold Sharpie. And in the nicest handwriting you've ever seen, he he signed that bottle. So that was that was a really memorable trip. The the, the way we made our entrance and uh, getting to, uh, uh, to meet Jimmy Russell that was pretty cool. So another time we were on the Bourbon Trail with with the Literals, we were at Independent Stave in Lebanon, Kentucky. That's where they make uh, uh, bourbon barrels, and they have a real nice new big gift shop over there. And they had some small charred barrels available for sale. They had a one liter and a two liter and a five liter. I bought a a five liter. I'm sorry, I bought a two liter uh, barrel. Uh, follow the instructions for cleaning it out, making sure that it was it was tight. It never didn't didn't uh, lose a drop. And I made some uh, barrel-aged Manhattans using Wilderness Trail Rye and, uh, what is it, uh, Carpana Antica, the the, the acclaimed uh, sweet vermouth, and Fee Brothers uh, Bitters. And so I am pleased to offer to two of my friends. Wow. A a bottle of four-month-old barrel-aged Manhattans. That's nice. Which, as you may wow. know, uh, with being a smaller barrel, there's uh, less surface area, so it ages much faster. So I'm, I'm interested to see what this is going to taste like. And it was just, what did you say you put in there? Wilderness Trail rye? So we sampled some last night with some friends. Uh, that, that Carpano Antica, is, it's a... It, it's a very formidable of vermouth. Let's put it like that. So uh, we ended up, uh, uh, instead of the standard uh, two parts uh, whiskey and one part vermouth, we went with three parts whiskey. And, uh, you know, if, if you've got a problem with your cocktail, just add more whiskey. Add more that's whiskey, that's yeah. right. Did you notice, I know you were taking samples each month. Did you notice a significant difference between mm-hmm. each month? Yeah. Well, I knew when Chuck bought that, I knew that it would be out back somewhere. So... Uh, several nights I came over and I tripped over that flyer pot that was in the <laughs> Just kidding. I had plans to go around and check that thing out, but I just forgot, Chuck. I thought it seemed a little bit light. <laughs> 
So we we've emptied uh, that one, and uh, we're gonna have a have a new adventure with something else. I don't know if we'll make uh, uh, if we'll just age some more whiskey. We were at um, uh, Bardstown Bourbon at the uh, at the cafe up there, and I'd ordered um, an old fashioned, I think, and uh, it was really good. And I asked our server uh, what kind of whiskey it was. I didn't specify, and she said that when they get down to uh, just a remnants of a bottle, they pour it into uh, a charred barrel, and just you know, so there's all kinds of different bourbons in there. Of course, they can could have used their own very nice bourbon. Uh, that was part of the inspiration for wanting to do that. So I, I hope you enjoy this uh, uh, this uh, uh, Chuck's barrel aged Manhattan. Uh, chill it over ice, and then strain it into a, a couple of glasses, and uh, lift it up and. Uh, toast uh, toast the new year. I, I just know I'm going to have some guests early next year coming down, and and this might be a boat ride trip, Chuck. Oh, wow. I'd sure like to be on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Brian? I don't think so. I'll turn it over to Daryl, see if he wants to give us the last word. You know, again, this is my first podcast. Uh, I have listened to one all the way through, and it was the last time you guys had done it, and I was really impressed, and I hope uh, hope you guys don't mind having me out and talking a little bit. So, so Daryl Littrell, thanks for having us over tonight. Thanks for being on our podcast. Uh, thanks for your enthusiasm about Distilled the Bourbon podcast. And until next time, please drink responsibly. Mm-hmm.